This is the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. To find out more about Keystone, visit keystonerdu.church. We hope you enjoy today's message. I want to talk today about a subject that um, I believe affects more people than what uh, I thought. It affects more people than what maybe you think, um, and it is a silent killer um, internally, and that is the subject of bitterness. Uh, the subject of bitterness. I'm entitling today's message simply "The Root of Bitterness." If you if you have your Bibles this morning, you want to go ahead and turn to Hebrews chapter 12. I'll hold off on reading the, the text for a second, but if you wanted to turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and then if you want to put your finger there or your app, I don't know how you can do this on the app, but hey. Um, also, Luke chapter six. We're going to be in Hebrews 12, and we're going to be in Luke chapter six. But I grew up, and I just want to give you my story a little bit. Um, I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad pastored for 45 years, um, total before he retired. And I grew up in a pastor's home. I grew up going to church. Um, I grew up with God's word being read to me as a, at a young age. I grew up knowing all the Bible stories. I grew up just as plugged in as I could possibly be. Um, and, and, and praise the Lord for that. Um, everything was smooth. I was an only child. My parents could not have children. Uh, they were told by many doctors that they would not have children for 13 years. They tried to have kids, and then they had me. And so, poor, poor mom and dad. But anyway, um, but I, so I was an only child. And how, do I have any other only? We have some only. Oh yeah, okay, that explains a lot. I'm just kidding. Uh, any other only children out there? Just me and John. All right. Oh Stephanie. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Okay. We need to. We need to have like a support group. You know. Uh, the only children support group. We're not getting enough attention now, you know? So, uh, but no, as an only child, um, there was definitely an expectation that, you know, you kind of had 100% of the attention, you know? Um, that was kind of the way it was. And I had a very good home life. My dad, uh, like I said, he was a pastor, but he made some, you know, he made some very wise financial investments as a young man. And so we lived a very middle-class lifestyle. We didn't want for anything. Uh, my parents, you know, they decked me out in, you know, brand name clothes and bought me brand new shoes. And basically I played sports and they traveled with me and took me all over the place playing sports. And I had a really, really easy life um, looking back on it. Um, when I was about 13 years old, my parents... Um, Rewind. When I was about seven years old, there was a young man in, within our church whose uh, grandmother was his spiritual leader and a godly lady. Brought him to church every Sunday, and she passed away. And the mother was not that at all. And my parents had an opportunity to bring in when I was seven to bring a young man in to live with them, and they decided not to do it. Um, and that that young man went down a road from then on that is less than desirable. And luckily, God has spared him from a lot of it now. But he really, really spiraled downhill. So my parents felt a little guilty about that. And so at 13, another similar situation uh, took place. And so they had an opportunity to bring in a young man into our house who was in an abusive home, verbally, uh, physically, other things, just as bad as you could think. That's what was happening. And he was 16 years old. I was 13 years old. And so they did that. They wanted to bring him into our home. And, and I wish that I could tell you, like, praise the Lord, it was amazing. And um, I gained an older brother at 13, which was kind of awkward. Um, you know, I was an only child. Um, but what I didn't realize was going to take place was to view firsthand 
uh, what what severe uh, depression looks like um, in a six foot five, two hundred and sixty pound, sixteen year old. Um, I remember um, one morning early. Um, them waking us up for school and I remember uh, it was before they, they would wake him up before me and so I remember just hearing the banging on, the, on his door across the hall from me just banging banging and my dad said you better open this door I didn't know what was going on I kind of wake up by the time I get out there in the, in the, in the hallway uh, I, evidently he had pushed stuff up against the door he was not coming out and I didn't know I had no clue what to expect when we got that door open uh, my dad couldn't open the door. He didn't know what was going on. There was, we were getting no response. And I remember seeing my dad with a, my little five foot seven dad uh, with a sledgehammer and he beat a door down when I was 13 years old, not knowing what he was going to find on the other side of that room. And as we get into that room, you see a huge six foot five, 16 year old boy uncontrollably sobbing in the corner of the room, down on all fours. I had never, I had never experienced anything like that before. Um, and so obviously the help, I mean, uh, uh, therapy, counseling, I remember, I remember me going to counseling uh, through that and, and all of those different things. Um, what developed in my heart, just shooting straight with you, was just some, some bitterness. It started developing inside of me. Um, and I'll be honest with you, I don't even know who toured. I don't even really, it, doesn't, it didn't really make um, much sense to me who I was mad. I wasn't mad at my parents. My parents loved me. They didn't stop loving me. Parents loved me, still do, thankfully. Um, uh, but uh, it wasn't against him. I had no, I mean, no ill will, no feelings. Um, but I developed a, a spirit of bitterness. And what I found out was after I graduated high school, I went off to college, and guess what? That spirit of bitterness followed me, and I was a bitter young adult. And I got my assurance of salvation or got saved when I was 19 years old. And I was like, man, that's going to be it. That's going to be, that's going to take care of my bitterness problem. Praise the Lord. No, I didn't take care of it either. And I continued to battle this problem of bitterness. And I will say that as I've talked to people about this and as I've spoken on this before in other contexts, um, having people, I just spoke on this topic when I was in Atlanta. I was at a Christian school and I spoke on this topic and I had a young girl come to me as soon as I was done with tears in her eyes. And Josh, that was, you don't know, you don't understand, but that's me. That's what I'm, that's right in the middle of my life right now. And so that's why today I wanted to bring this subject uh, to our attention. My problem was bitterness. My problem was something that maybe today you're sitting here and you know exactly what I'm talking about. There have been specific instances that have taken place in your life and you know what it feels like to harbor a bitter spirit and to harbor bitterness in your heart. And let me say this, I know that maybe under the sound of my voice here, if you're harboring bitterness, that your circumstances are way more severe than mine were. I mean, I was a punk teenager who couldn't figure out my relationship with my parents. There's situations that, that cause bitterness in, in the hearts of people that are much more intense and much more sinful even than the situations within my life. 
Many people will find their bitter feelings or toward maybe a, a, a dad for taking off and leaving their family when, when, when you were younger, or maybe a mom for being verbally abusive or physically abusive, uh, maybe a friend or a group of friends that picked on you or picked on you as a young person, and that's huge in our society today. Bullying is the word uh, that is used, but uh, maybe it was a, a bitterness as toward maybe a church situation where maybe the, there were sinful acts that took place by the pastor or the leadership of the church and that unfortunately happens uh, far too often. Maybe bitterness comes directly uh, to God for maybe taking a loved one too soon. Maybe that bitterness and that bitter spirit is maybe young parents that bitter toward God for maybe a, 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 a miscarriage or Many things could lead to bitterness, not to mention this morning the, the perverse uh, sexual abuse that is ever so rampant in our society today. Those are legitimate issues and those scenarios create feelings inside of us that must be dealt with biblically or bitterness will take root. Bitterness will take root. Today we're going to let God's word guide us through this difficult subject. It's a tough subject, but we're going to let God's word be our guide as we should in all areas of our lives. We're going to parallel two passages and learn what the Bible tells us regarding bitterness. If you have your spot there, Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 14 says this, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord, looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God. I want to pause there. I wish I could tell you exactly what that meant. I wish I could tell you, like, studying the original language, it's a little unclear. I just know that that's a, that's a, I don't know, that's a frightening statement, lest any man fail of the grace of God. Um, it's just very intriguing. But looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Luke chapter 6, if you can't turn there, it'll be on your screen. Verse 27 begins by saying this, But I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. If anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Give to everyone who asks you. And from someone who takes your things, don't ask for them back. Just as you want others to do for you, do the same for them. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. But if you do what is good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to be repaid in full. But love your enemies. Do what is good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Then your reward will be great and you will be the children of the Most High, for He is gracious to the ungrateful and evil. Be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Let's pray this morning. God, guide my words. Guide my thoughts. God, remove me this morning from the equation. I pray that the truth from your word, the encouragement from your word this morning, 
will be exactly what we need in regards to this subject. God, I pray that maybe some hurting hearts today would leave healed. God, maybe some severed relationships today would take the first step to being restored. And God, I pray some, a bitter spirit today may just take that first step, that first step toward love, toward forgiveness. Holy Spirit, move in our midst today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I mean, number one this morning, I'm going to dive right in. Number one, I want us to see that bitterness is so often a result of legitimate wrongdoing. Bitterness is so often a result of legitimate wrongdoing. Luke chapter 7 says, But I say unto you, listen, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And let me say this. They, Luke 6 speaks of hate, curse, uh, enemies, mistreat. Those are sinful acts. Those are things that took place that are sin. Those are obviously sinful. People have sinned many times against you. People have done wrong to you and it has affected your life and has affected your spirit. That dad that took off and left his family when you were little, that was, that was wrong. Uh, that, that pastor that committed those, maybe those moral sins or those financial sins or whatever it was, that was wrong. Those were legitimate wrongdoing. That spouse that maybe emotionally abused you and, and left you in your marriage maybe with, with children without their help, that, that was wrong. Those things were wrong. And so oftentimes, bitterness comes about as a result of legitimate Wrongdoing. I am not coming here today, I promise you, I'm not coming here today saying, hey, it wasn't that bad, get over it. That's not my spirit. It never will be my spirit. Hey, look, man, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Come on. No, that's, that would be spiritual, spiritual abuse from my position, just to be honest with you. That's not the spirit in which we come this morning. We come acknowledging legitimate wrongdoing. And let me simply say this to you today. I am so sorry that whatever happened in your life happened. And I wish that I could personally go back and change the things that happened in your life. The hurt, the pain that you endured is simply unfair. And this morning I say, if you're struggling with bitterness and there was wrong done to you, I wanna say that I am, I am sorry that it happened. It hurts me to know that people have gone through things like that. Because I've seen what it does. And I've seen the problems that it causes. And so bitterness is a result of legitimate wrongdoing. And let me say this. If you're here today and you're like, Josh, I'll be honest with you. I don't have a bitter spirit. I've got a joyful spirit. I really am on top side. I want to encourage you in this though. If you're dealing with people that may be struggling with bitterness, the worst thing you can do is make light of the circumstances. The worst thing you can do. Because bitterness so often... Become, comes about because of legitimate wrongdoing. Secondly, this morning, I want us to see this, that bitterness is a root problem. Bitterness is a root problem. It's often invisible. Hebrews chapter 12, the first passage that we mentioned today, Hebrews chapter 12 says it this way. Let me get back to it. It says this way, uh, lest any, uh, looking diligently, lest any man fail the grace of God, Lest any root of bitterness springing up. 
It's a root problem. And how many of you understand there are certain sins in the Bible that are root sins? You have pride is a root sin. You see somebody who, who acts a certain way and, and whatever they're acting, whatever they're doing and displaying is not really their problem. Their problem is that they have pride. And oftentimes the, the clearest one is they won't admit they're wrong. Okay, their problem is that it's not that they won't admit they're wrong. Their problem is that they're prideful. They don't, they, they often, maybe if, if they ever get corrected at work, maybe the boss says, hey, listen, I want you, you've been doing it this way. I want you to do it this way. They resist. That's not their problem. The root problem is that they have pride. Okay, uh, maybe idolatry is another one. You see someone who, who maybe neglects their family spiritually, neglects their family to do other things. And what they've really done is they've set other things up in their heart as idols. So idolatry is another one, but bitterness is a root problem. It is so often invisible, just like a root. You don't really see it at first. And oftentimes the only time we really address a root problem is when it comes to the surface. If you've worked in construction or real estate or anything, it's like you could walk up to a house. There could be a big tree out front. You see it. The tree's 15, 20 feet from the house. It's huge, but you don't see any roots coming up. And you're like, okay, good. We're good to go. But if you ever walk up to a house, you see a big tree and you see one little root coming up out of the ground. You're like, "Uh uh-oh, we we need to look deeper. We need to figure out what's going on here, right? Because oftentimes root problems don't become a problem to us until they rise to the surface. But let me say this today, that my goal today is to deal with a root problem when it's still under the surface. Because if you can deal with root problems that are still under the surface, it's much better. But it is often invisible. In fact, if we don't pay close attention to bitterness, bitterness can start begin to take root in our lives without us even realizing or acknowledging it. We can develop a bitter spirit and we don't even realize that we're developing a bitter spirit on the inside. We tend to willfully ignore invisible problems in our culture because we live in such an external driven society. We don't deal with the inside as the Bible says, we clean the outside of the cup so often. And we don't like to deal with what's on the inside. And as long as it looks like everything's okay, then everything's okay. And that's simply not true. Root, root problems, bitterness being a root problem. The one thing I've learned, and I'm not a horticulturist by any stretch of the imagination, but one thing I know about root problems is root, a root problem can and will affect the entire tree oftentimes. Uh, it can. And this morning, I, I, I left them at my house. Man, I had a great illustration. I'm going to give it to you anyway without it. But bitterness is like this. I'm, I'm standing here looking at you in this room. If I put on a pair of sunglasses right now, if I look on this side, I, you, look, you will look different with a pair of sunglasses than I will. Is that sunglasses on your head? Let me do it. Man, that's the Lord's will. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> All right, so as I'm looking, let me, my, let me wipe off this. There we go, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, wipe off the makeup and stuff, you know. Um, but as I look at this side, you know, when bitterness takes root in my life and I, and, I, and I let that root problem, bitterness, come on, it's the coolest I've ever looked. Um, you know what? You look different. And you know, as I look on this side, guess what? That same bitter filter, you guys look different. As I look in the middle section, it's different. And you know what that, that, that teaches us? Go ahead, get the pictures. It's all good. Uh, but uh, you know what that teaches us? 
It teaches us that bitterness is a filter and a root problem. I'm going to leave them right here if that's okay. And bitterness will affect many other and possibly every other part of our lives. You see, when you're bitter, when you have a bitter spirit, you don't look at anything clearly. When you have a bitter spirit, bitterness affects so many other parts of your lives. Thirdly, that leads us directly into number three, is that bitterness not only impacts you, but it also impacts those around you. Bitterness impacts you and those around you. Look at verse 15 of Hebrews chapter 12 as it, as it finishes. Lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you and thereby many be defiled. You see, while life is taking place in front of you, bitterness is having a negative effect on you. Bitterness will impact your ability to create relationships and interact with other people. Bitterness has an impact on you, and bitterness has an impact on your circle, I like to call it. Every, all of us have a circle. We have people that we are connected with, people we work with, people we are in our communities with, people that live across the street from us, uh, extended family members. We all have a circle. And let me say this, that bitterness will have an impact on you and your circle. Mom, dad, your bitter spirit is not helping your children. Husbands, your bitter spirit is not helping your wife or your marriage. Wives, your bitter spirit is not helping your husband or, or your marriage. I think we're all adult enough in here this morning to understand that nothing ever just impacts you. Nothing ever just impacts you. As an adult, every decision that you make not only impacts you, but impacts someone else. It will impact someone else. And I understand that naturally some, some people have larger circles than other people. All the more reason to listen and heed that warning. And I understand that some of our circles are small and maybe contained in a smaller sense, maybe a small family and a small group of people. But at the end of the day, nothing you do ever just impacts your circle. I want to beg you today, if you, if you know the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and you know God is talking to you on this subject of bitterness, I want to beg you today to step one to kind of understand that this does not just affect me. Hey, my bitterness is affecting other people. And here's the funny thing, especially with, if it's in your family circle, they're not going to tell you, but I guarantee you, if you were to confess it, as we'll talk about at the end, if you were to confess it to them and say, listen, I don't know if you realize this, but I've had a bitter spirit and it's probably been affecting our family. You know what? If they're honest with you, you know what they're probably going to say? Oh, we know. We know. We just didn't tell you. But yeah, we, we feel it. We sense it. You know, and some, oftentimes we don't comprehend how much what we say and what we do impacts other people. So bitterness is a result of legitimate wrongdoing. Bitterness is a root problem. And bitterness impacts you and those around you. I want to give us some steps from Scripture this morning on killing the root of bitterness. Right? Because if there's a root problem, let's kill it. Let's not, let's not mask it over. Let's not see a root popping up and let's not just kick some mulch or some pine straw over it and move on. Hey, let's not be mowing the grass and catch a root and it messes up our blade and just keep on mowing. 
Like, let's stop real quick and let's dig and let's kill it. Let's kill that root problem. It's like going and buying a house and finding out that, hey, this house has foundation problems. Oh, let's just continue building and let's continue. Let's put the floor down even though it's not stable. And no, the right thing to do is to spend the money. We don't want to. Dig down, fix the foundation, and then let's move forward. I don't know if you watch HGTV, but uh, man, my days are Jesus and HGTV sometimes, you know? But, uh, and then if you watch Fixer Upper, you get Jesus and HGTV at the same time. So it's great. Um, but, I, you know, you watch all those shows. And it's like, we have a, we, you know, I love, by the way, I do love HGTV. It's like, hi, you know, I'm Josh. I work one day a week as a volunteer fireman. My wife, she volunteers at a nonprofit you know, in our town, our budget is $3.4 million. You know, it's like, I need to work at that nonprofit, you know. Uh, but uh, I'm not sure if you understand what nonprofit means. But anyway, um, but, uh, but you get there and it's like, we got a budget of $40,000. And we're going to do the bathroom and we're going to do the kitchen and we're going to do this and this and that. And what does it happen every time? Of course, it's over-dramatized. we got some serious problems. And sometimes it's a foundation problem. And I've seen people spend twenty, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollars in fixing something that no one's going to even realize when they get done with that renovation. We just dropped thirty grand on something you're not even going to see, right? And that can be disheartening because we want the bells and whistles, and we want to add a chandelier, and we want to bling it here, and we want to put a beam here, and we want a farmhouse look here, and blah blah blah. We want to do all that stuff, but what sometimes what's needed is the foundation issue, the foundation problem. Steps this morning to killing the root of bitterness. Number one is to love your enemies. It's to love your enemies. Luke chapter 6 and verse 27. And I'm literally, you talking about text, preaching from the text? This is, this is as close as it gets. But I say to you, listen, love your enemies. Point number one, boys and girls, is love your enemies. You say, Josh, easier said than done. Correct. Correct. Very much so. Proverbs 25, verses 21 and 22 say it this way. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For you will heap burning coals on his head and the Lord will reward you. Loving your enemies. Acts chapter 7, a familiar passage to many of you maybe, but Stephen, Stephen gets up and he preaches a, a powerful sermon and the people that heard it did not react by, oh, coming to the altar. They reacted by, oh, let's go stone Stephen. All right? And we don't have a song for that, but, uh, but they reacted, we're going to stone Stephen. And so they take Stephen and they're stoning him and, and he's literally on the ground getting pummeled by rocks and by basically boulders. That's, they literally killed him. But Stephen gets himself up to his knees and rises from the ground to his knees. And what does he do? Stephen prays. And of course, as you're getting stoned, you're going to pray, God, please stop the stoning. God, please stop these evil people, right? That's what you and I would pray. You know what Stephen, his prayer is? It's simple. It's a one sentence that he says that's amazing. He prays this prayer, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. They're killing him. They're stoning him to death. And his prayer is not, Lord, save me from this death. His prayer, much like Jesus, is on the cross. Stephen's prayer is, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. That, ladies and gentlemen, 
is loving your enemies. That is what we call loving your enemies. Second step to killing bitterness is found in that same verse of Scripture in Luke chapter 6. And that is this, do good to those that hate you. And I wish I could be more, uh, you know, uh, like eloquent with this, but this is what the Bible says. Love your enemies, do good to them who hate you. Do good. Practically speaking, that means this. Doing good to someone is not a passive event. Doing good to someone is an active, proactive decision that we make. And I want to I encourage you today, if there's someone in your life that has caused bitterness toward you, I want to encourage you today, even if it is something that you do in anonymity, I want to encourage you today to do something good. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like in your context. I don't understand what you can do. But to do something actively good for them. Do something nice for them. You say, Josh, you don't understand. I don't understand. I don't. But I can say the Bible tells us to do good to those who hate you. Hate you. That means something like this. I'll give you some suggestions. The person that has caused bitterness in your life, you run into them at a restaurant. You know what doing good to them says? Going to the waiter and going, hey, can I get their bill? Yeah, sure. Don't Please don't tell them who did it. Just let me, I want to pay for their ticket. And when they go to grab their wallet and say, can I have my bill? The waiter goes, someone's already taken care of it. Well, who did it? I don't know. Someone did it. You know, that's doing good to someone who hates you. Doing good. In fact, to be honest with you, we ought to, as Christians, as people that follow Christ, as those that are Jesus followers, we ought to make it a habit of doing good. And doing good is not passive. Doing good is active. And every chance we get, we ought to look for ways to do good to those around us. But especially as we speak here, loving our enemies, doing good to those who hate you. As we continue on in verse 28, look, I told you, it's straight Bible this morning, guys. Bless those who curse you. Bless them. Bless them. It is very easy to speak very negatively about the person or the situation that has caused your bitterness, but that does no good. Blessing them means, in one context, to speak positively about them. Wait a minute, Josh, you don't get it. That's my ex-wife. That's my ex Husband, that's my dad who I've not spoken to for X amount of years. That is, what, fill in the blank, right? Fill in the blank of whatever has caused bitterness in your life. What humility it takes. What a God it takes to bless them. To bless them. And let's be honest. You may have to dig to find something that you can honestly bless them over. I mean, there's some people in this world that have done serious wrong. But maybe, maybe you can find something. Maybe they've been a good worker at their job. Maybe they've made good financial decisions. I don't know. Find something to speak positively about, to bless them with your words. Number four is, is very, very difficult. It's in that same verse, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Another version says, pray for those who despitefully use you. 
Pray for those who mistreat you. Pray for them. I'll never forget the day that I finally talked to my dad. I was a married man working in a, in a local church ministry. And I finally went to my dad and said, Dad, I'm struggling with bitterness. And my dad's like, if you, you have to know him. He's like, real matter of fact, when's the last time you prayed for him? It's not what I want to hear, Dad. Okay? It's not why I came to you. Uh, but uh, when's the last time you prayed for him? All right, Dad. Thanks. But you know what? It's scriptural. And I want to say this. Let's not pray a haughty, arrogant, prideful prayer. That's like, God, please be with the worst human being alive. God, please be with this complete jerk. God, please be with... No, no. Have you, have you thought, like, let's pray. Not, pray that God would bless them. That hurts, right? Pray that God would be real in their life. Pray that God would change their life. Pray that God would, would wrap his arms around them and give them peace and comfort. Pray that God would give them uh, maybe a, a, a job, you know, a raise at work or maybe a, a promotion at their job, whatever it may be. Man, that's tough. But I will say this. What I found, it was very hard to hate somebody you were praying for. I'll repeat that because it, it just it spoke to me. <laughs> it's very hard to hate someone that you're praying for. Pray for those who mistreat you. I just want to ask you to do this. Try it. There's a bitter situation in your life. Try praying for them. Try it. Try praying for those who have mistreated you. And by the way, be specific in your prayers. Don't just say, all right, God, on Sunday, Josh challenged me to pray for those who have done me wrong. God, I pray for all those that have done me wrong. No, no, no. God, pray for specific name. And God, I pray that today you would bless her and help her to have a, an absolutely amazing day at her job. God, I pray that you would shine upon her and that you would, you would bless her in ways that you've never done before. God, if she is, uh, if she is in any uh, harm or any, any, any physical need, God, that you would heal specifics. Um, praying for the person. And fifthly, this morning, so number one, we had that we were going to love our enemies. Number two, we're going to do good to those who hate you. Number three, we're going to bless those who curse you. Number four, we're going to pray for those who mistreat you. And number five this morning, prepare yourself for another offense. Prepare yourself for another offense. Look at verse 29 in Luke chapter 6. It says this, if anyone hits you on the cheek, offer the other also. If anyone takes away your coat, don't hold back your shirt either. Get prepared. Prepare yourself to be offended again. Prepare yourself for another wrongdoing of some sort to happen in your life. I mean, it literally says this. If someone comes up to you, mistreats you, steals from you, and steals your coat, that you say, All right, if you're cold, do you need my shirt as well? I'll literally give you the shirt off my back. That's what the Bible commands us to do. He says this, if you get hit and man, nothing challenges your manhood right, by like getting punched, right? 
someone punches you on this side, you go. And you get ready for another one. See, Josh, that goes against everything inside of me. That goes against every MMA training thought process, humanly speaking, in my mind. And obviously we're speaking in spiritual senses here. I don't, I'm not advocating if someone comes up to you in the middle of the night and jumps you and hits you that you let them hit you again. I'm not saying that. I'm speaking in a spiritual sense. But we must prepare ourselves to be offended again. Hey, listen, if you live in 2018 in America, get ready because everybody's offended about everything. We all get it. Look, I can't go on the street and shake someone's hand and give them a hug without somebody getting offended. I could literally go give someone money today at the street corner and, and somebody get offended by it. I can say, man, I'm praying so much today for, you know, oh, I'm praying for the, uh, for the tornado victims in, in, in North Carolina and Virginia, man, really keeping them in prayer. I guarantee if I put that on Facebook, somebody could possibly comment, well, what about the victims of this and this and that? You're not praying for them? It's just the society we live in. At the end of the day, prepare yourself to be hurt again. Prepare yourself to be hurt again. I hate, that's probably my least favorite point in the message. And I wish that verse 29 was just not there. But what verse 29 teaches us is that, hey, legitimate wrongdoing has taken place. Those, your enemies that hate you and, and use you and mistreat you. And, and guess what? Turn the other cheek because there might be another punch coming. Hey, listen, get ready to take your shirt off and give you the shirt off the back because they might do it again. And we have to spiritually prepare ourselves. We have to emotionally prepare ourselves. We have to prepare to be offended again. But then lastly, and this is where we want to land this morning. By God's grace, forgive. By God's grace, forgive. The passage that we read earlier in Luke chapter 6 ends with this statement. It says, be merciful as your Father also is merciful. Show mercy. Show forgiveness. Philippians chapter 4, verse, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 and 32 says this, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind. One to, by the way, let all bitterness be put away from you, it says. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. But how, Josh? How can I forgive? On what basis can I forgive? Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You say, Josh, I don't think I can do it. You're right. In your flesh, in, in the way that we're wired, sometimes, yeah, let's be honest. I don't want to forgive, and I don't think there's any way I could forgive. But you know, when we take our mind back to the cross, we take our mind back to Calvary, when we realize the, the sin that we have committed against God, and we realize how much he forgave us through the person of Jesus Christ. I can start down that road. I can start down that road. 
pastor said it this way, forgiveness is the shovel that digs up the root of bitterness. I'll say that again. Bitterness, I mean, sorry, forgiveness is the shovel that digs up the root of bitterness. If you're going to get over bitterness, you got to get that shovel of forgiveness and you got to start. And you might not, listen, if there's a root problem, the first time you put that shovel in the ground of forgiveness, it probably is not going to take care of that problem. If there's a root problem, man, we got to get guys, we got to get, we got to dig. And we got to put our weight on it. We got to push down. We got to break that root. We got to go to the other side and we got to dig down. We got to break that root. We got to forgive. And then we got to go over here and we got to forgive. And we got to come over here and we got to forgive. And then we think, we think we've got it taken care of. And oh no, you know, we found something over here and we've got to come. You know what? It's, it's root is springing up again. And you know what? We got to forgive and forgive and forgive and forgive. The, the fact is this there is no love without forgiveness but the reverse is also true there's no forgiveness without love step one was to love our enemies love and forgiveness they've got to come together they have to come together think once again this morning of all God forgave you of when he sent his son to die on that cross think of the grossest uh, worst despicable sin you can think of God forgave it God forgave it and we are commanded to forgive others just as God for Christ's sake forgave you but but you don't understand Josh you don't understand this morning the severity of my situation and I want to say you're right I don't understand it but we don't understand and you don't understand how bad our sin hurt our heavenly father we don't understand what it was like to be jesus and to take someone else's sin upon yourself being perfect yet he forgave yet he offers his forgiveness in fact the bible doesn't even this is a culture shock theology shock to you the bible doesn't even command us to beg for forgiveness the bible doesn't even command us to ask for forgiveness after we're saved you know what it says to do confess just confess your sins and guess what he is faithful and just to forgive it's just like as a parent my my little seven-year-old girl you know she's perfect of course so she never does anything wrong just kidding i figured that out on like day two um but that wasn't happening but uh it's just like my seven-year-old you i know she did wrong i know there are problems all i want her to do is go you're right yes daddy you're right just confess it. I forgive you. You don't even have to ask me. I forgive you. Just confess it. I've already forgiven you. Just confess it. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Just the same way as God has forgiven us. He's just waiting for us to confess it, but it's already forgiven. If there's a situation in your life where there's someone who has wronged you and they've not confessed it to you, I understand that you might not be able to confrontationally forgive them verbally, but you know what you can do just as Jesus did? You can forgive them. You can have your Calvary experience where you forgive them. And when they come to you, someday if they ever do, and they say, I need to confess something to you. I did you wrong. If that, if that 
absent parent ever comes back around and they say, I, I confess. You know what you can say? And you can be honest. Hey, I've already forgiven you. Hey, I forgave you. I forgave you years ago. You didn't know it, but I forgave you years ago. And that's almost what Jesus does with us. We come before him and we're like, Jesus, I'm so sorry. God, I confess my sin. And you know what he says? Hey, over 2,000 years ago, I forgave you. I forgave you. Bitterness. Killing the root of bitterness this morning. If you don't kill the root of bitterness, the root of bitterness will eventually kill you. It will kill your spirit. It will kill your joy. It will kill the, 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 the life that God wants to give you through His Holy Spirit. If we don't kill the root of bitterness, the root of bitterness will kill us. Practically speaking today, every situation is different. There are some people here that are bitter against God. I mean, let's be honest. There are people that are bitter against God. And there needs to be some soul searching that goes on. There needs to be a, a, a private conversation with God. And there needs to be a time of repentance. There needs to be a time. Maybe there's a context where there's a specific person. And once again, I don't know your specifics and I'm not telling you what to do. But I'm saying today that maybe there needs to be a text message sent to just get the ball rolling. Hey, listen, thought about you today. I know I haven't reached out in a long time. Maybe there needs to be a dinner set up. I don't know. Maybe the situation is so severe that none of those things can happen. And maybe today the decision just needs to be that I forgive them. And if they never come to me and talk about it, I forgive them. If they do come to me and talk about it, I've already forgiven them. And here's what we needed to realize. We dig that shovel of forgiveness and I forgive you. Hit that root. Tomorrow morning, if we don't watch it, spring it up. Dig that shovel in. I forgive, I forgive them, God. I forgive them. God, I forgive them. Oh, it comes time for Father's Day. Man, my father was, you don't know the rage that comes into me about my father. I forgive him. Mother's Day's coming. I forgive her. It's his birthday. His birthday's in July. I forgive him. And we're going to have to dig that, that shovel. And we're going to have to hit that shovel in the ground. And we have to forgive. Because forgiveness is the shovel that digs up the root of bitterness. Even as God, for Christ's sake, forgave you. This has been the preaching podcast from Keystone Church and Pastor Josh Cox. For more information about Keystone Church, visit keystonerdu.com. Please subscribe to hear future messages. Thank you.